one. I know what this episode is about. Say it. Vampires. Ladies, ladies, gentlemen, other supernatural creatures, welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Podcast, where we do mediocre research and give our unwanted opinion on a topic that you don't care about. Yet again, this week I'm joined by my co-host, and uh, speaking of vampires, which this episode will be about, we're joined by our very own vampire, our very own friend back from the dead. So everybody say welcome back to Tyler after a couple weeks of being um, absent. Boys, seriously, welcome. I'm glad. I'm Cheers glad to, to be you. Back. I'm gonna take a big pull for you. <laughs> glad to be back. Holy crap! It gets kind of we started this thing and then boom, COVID hits like a train, mm-hmm. and then yeah. lots of other crap hit. So you anyway, died. I'm glad. I'm, I did. I did. But, I'm but you know what? So last week's last couple of weeks, we've been doing nothing but research about how to get Tyler back. Um, respawning. Figured it out. Simulation theory. We cracked it last week, so he is back this week. I'm telling you, I'm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. We be spoke here to our boys. Anunnaki um, overlords. We spoke to our Anunnaki ancestors. Oh. We <laughs> cracked the simulation, found the glitch in the matrix, and uh, here we are. I'm so, Neo. as we have already mentioned, like, a couple times, uh, this is kind of, uh, it's October, and it's spooky time. Spooky so season. So, we're going to kind of s- stick with the theme of that and uh, jump into vampires. Vampires. Hmm. Okay, so, as we jump into vampires, everybody knows Bram Stoker's vampire, everybody knows... Vlad the Impaler, all of that. I don't think people realize how ingrained in society vampires actually are. Whether you talk about like your Czech and your Russian, the Strigas or whatever you want to call them, whatever different society they come from, even back to Sumer and the Babylonians actually having scroll depiction depictions, sorry, of things that resemble vampires or talking about drinking other people's blood. So, I just thought for this week to open us up, I want to talk about my favorite vampire-related story. Um, There's some conjecture on whether or not this story is, um, which I mean, of course, there's going to be conjecture on whether or not it's authentic or not. Um, But this story comes from Greece, around 400 BC. Um, I'll just go ahead and run through it real quick. Uh, It's about a young man named Ambrigio. Ambrigio was from northern Italy, and Ambrigio, like every up-and-coming rich frat boy at the time, decides he's going to go to Delphi. Okay, Delphi is where the massive temple to the sun god Apollo was located. Um, and at Delphi was the uh, Pythia. The Pythia read your future, or she was essentially the oracle. You guys have probably heard it as the oracle, or even in like 300 when they go and see the oracle before battle. Mm -hmm. That's the same person they're going to talk to, okay? Okay. So Ambrigio goes to talk to the oracle. He gets her to the Pythia at the oracle. I'm sorry. Um, He gets there, he talks to the Pythia, and the Pythia gives him this quote for his future. The curse, the moon, the blood shall run. And that's all. He says, can you please explain that? Can I get some, like, <laughs> elaboration? She's like, no, get out of here. 
Okay, cool. So he leaves um, with just being told the curse, the moon, and the blood shall run. Okay. Well, he comes back the next morning. He's like, you know what? I'm going to get some more answers from this lady. She's going to tell me something. So he comes back, can't find her. Who he does find is the Pythia's sister, Selene. Okay. And he's like, you know what? Selene looking fine. He's like, I, I, I'm going to come on back. I'm going to keep coming back. So every day he keeps coming back to visit Selene. Okay. Um, but like, like every god in the pantheon, Apollo gets jealous because... Ambrigio's getting all of Selene's attention. So Apollo curses Ambrigio that anytime he is exposed to sunlight, it will burn him. So that is the first stage of the vampire curse. Okay. Now the second stage. Ambrigio is relegated to living in caves during the day to keep from the sunlight. Um, and he makes a deal with Hades and gives him his mortal soul if he will allow him strength, endurance, so on and so forth, okay? So he says, okay, deal, but what you have to do for me is you have to go steal Artemis's bow. Artemis is the god of the hunt, the wilderness, all of that in the Greek mythology, okay? So there we have part two of our curse. Vampire has no soul, okay? But we hear a lot in our common... Um, commonly recurring stories, okay? Here comes part three. He goes to steal the bow from Artemis, okay? There's a, there's a little bit longer story there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten it for, for, uh, for podcast sake. Um, he goes to steal the bow from Artemis. She catches him. Well, then he says, I need this bow to fulfill Hades' um, mission. He says, she says, okay, well, here is my bow, but now she curses him with, he can never touch silver. So touching silver burns his skin. So you have part three of the vampire curse where you always hear that vampire burns, their, or that vampire skin gets burnt to, to, the, to the silver, okay? Now, the last part of this. Ambrigio now has been blessed with everlasting life. He can now go out at night. He has... Unbelievable strength to hunt, all of this. He has fangs to attack um, animals, which is part of Artemis's quest for him. So he convinces Selene to run away with him, who was the girl he's doing all this for, right? Well, Selene's still growing old, and Ambrigio is not. So as Ambrigio gets old, or as, I mean, I'm sorry, as Selene gets old and starts to die, he makes one last um, deal with Artemis that he can transfer his power by bite. So this is where you get your, your fourth and final phase of the vampire curse, that a vampire biting but not killing its um, victim will transfer the curse to that individual. So then you get a quote that says, um, the blood of, and, and then any people who are the blood of Selene and Ambrigio continued the curse. So that is the first real big story involving vampires where it's not just an illusion. It's like an actual, they've explained the story. I know, I'm sorry, I know that was kind of winded. Um, that was a really well, great story to start with. So I've, I've got then the, go something that seems kind of interesting about that to me is we've 
touched on this a little bit before, but the fact that um, those ancient religions and mythologies and stuff like that were kind of created to come up with something that people didn't really know how to explain in mm -hmm. any other way. For example, like, uh, I, I haven't touched up on Greek mythology in a long time, but there's gods that pull, like, the sun and the moon across the sky in yeah. a chariot or Apollo whatever. Apollo does, yeah. That's Apollo. Yeah. Um, so that's their explanation for the sun rising and falling, because mm -hmm. they don't have science to explain that kind of thing. That's their explanation for the people, for vampires. Yep. That's their explanation for um, creatures that don't go out in the daylight. They live in caves. They suck blood. They transform like humans into whatever they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so. I just the the part that that because I always think when I think vampires, I think crucifixes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think holy water, and I also mm -hmm. think. Anything Stakes. religious, right? Any, um, from Abrahamic faith. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Which, I mean, if if we get into like that, go into that type of lore. Wasn't Van Helsing's name actually uh, Van, Abraham or something like that? It was something. I believe. I believe you're correct. Actually, yeah. Um. So I mean, it just kind of. I, I I also wonder. Like, I'm not. Who I don't necessarily believe is real i don't know but um if you go back and know it's gabriel van helsing so, gabriel well um, i mean that's very religious as well so it is yeah i mean it, it is but i just wonder like if it started in greek mythology mm -hmm. uh, or greek times i wonder how it transitioned into being um something of almost a religious catholic right. religion well, you know? I can actually kind of I can kind of elaborate on that if you'd like. Um, okay. So, whenever Christianity was first kind of putting its roots down, um, Judea was not a good place for it to put its roots down. Okay, one of the first places that um, Christianity actually got a real stronghold was one in Egypt and two in Greece. Um, so you had a lot of the same way, like you know, when we celebrate Christmas, Christmas is actually a um, Viking holiday, um, originally. It was a transformed Viking holiday. And a lot of times whenever you have Christianity going into these areas and establishing these new inroads, you get them taking the old culture and morphing it with the new religion to fit best. So the, the, the um, vampire story would have been morphed to fit Christianity almost so as a evil story. Cutting this back to uh, the Greek stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You said this guy's name was Am Ambrosio. Ambrosio. Am Ambrosio? Yeah, there's two different so, pronunciations there. Ambrosio well, or Ambrosio. How would that um how would that correlate to and I'm gonna butcher that how this is pronounced pronounced. Please do. Ambrosia, right? So it's the food, the food and drink of the the gods. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> uh. Name. Um, when you drink that, I remember it being uh, like the people when they drink it, they don't have they don't have blood. Like their blood turns to ichor. Yep. And they they're immortal. Yeah. So, I guess my question is: it, Does that correlate? Like, is there any correlation with that? Um. So, that is. This is going to take me a second to explain, okay? I'm sorry for this. Um, 
Yes, there is correlation. The correlation being that a lot of people actually think that this Ambrosio story was fabricated to back up the Ambrosia substance that the, that the gods and the immortals are, um, the adrenochrome that they're drinking. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Always go oh, back to that. Intro. We're going there again. <laughs> so that's um, it's almost used as supporting evidence or correlating well, evidence. Like I just, I just uh, while we were sitting here, I googled the what ambrosia actually is, and it says in Greek mythology, mythology, it is food or drink of the Greek gods, often depicted as conferring longevity or immortality upon whoever consumed it. So, meaning, if a human consumed it, I'm assuming it would then give them immortality as well. Mm-hmm. Right, because the, the, the gods themselves drink it to get immortality. Yeah. Yes. So, and we do know that vampires have always been considered an immortal being. Correct. I mean, you know, once they have turned, they are immortal. The only way they can die is by sunlight or in the stake through the heart. I mean, you know. Uh, un- it, well, unless, unless they live in uh, Fork, Washington. Then or they're an they original just... with a ring. I've. <laughs> uh, Never, never watched any of that. But any, anyway. Oh um, yeah, really? You haven't? Or, or they sparkle in sunlight. Uh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> they, they're gonna be from Forks, Washington, for that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so I mean, it just all kind of with with his name being Ambrosio and Ambrosia being the the food or drink that causes immortality the nectar I, I mean, of the gods exactly i mean it just kind of seems like maybe there is some sort of a connection there right because could the theory be that maybe it's his blood hmm. right because it makes them immortal if they Ambrosio's were to drink his blood? blood yes if they were to drink his blood it would make them immortal right so then the gods would be essentially vampires so the Greek pantheon is all vampiric. Yep. We just solved that problem. Well, <laughs> that's not where I thought we were going to go this week. I'm glad no. we solved that problem, though. No. <laughs> well, so it just to um, cover your s- something, sorry, something that you uh, said was about the roots of Christianity being involved in uh, Greece. Yes. Um, I don't know if any of you guys listened to it or not, but I'm going to bring up probably our uh i was gonna say something that would offend some people but i'll say our great mentor and uh leader of the free world um joe rogan Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys listened to one of his more recent (laughs) i was gonna say our lord and savior but whatever um (laughs) praise him praise peter rogan i don't know i don't know if you guys listened to his one of his most recent podcasts, but with Brian Murrah Rescue and uh, Graham Hancock. Yeah, I did. Those are two of my favorite people that he's had mm-hmm. that he has on. But anyways, um, Brian Murrah Rescue is actually an author that writes about uh, psychedelics in the ancient world and stuff like that, and how they're linked to Christianity and uh, to ancient Egypt and stuff like that. And I wanted to kind of give you some. Um, background to your saying that uh the roots of christianity started in greece with are you are you going to reference the letter from paul to the greeks 
yeah. Okay. From cool. Paul, awesome. the like Paul the Apostle. Is that, yes. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Apostle. Yes. Apostle. Yeah. He wrote. Epistle. He wrote letters. Paul the Apostle wrote letters that were disputed among the Greeks, and that's where um, some of the books for Christianity actually yes. come from. Like the names of them, like the Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a tribe of Greek people. Yep. Uh, the Galatians, the Ephesians, uh, Philippians, yep. um, Corinthians, those were all Greek uh, subcultures, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anybody who wants to like ar- that to wants to try to argue that point, I just want to put that out there. That no, that's that a very like, good point. It's a very good that point. That has to make. like backing to it um, from the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. And and I mean we we do know that of course Catholicism is Roman so I mean and and Christianity spurred from Catholicism I mean basically I mean that's it's just a branch off that kind of went its own way but I mean it's all started there in that area yeah the Mediterranean yes. I mean, because so, when you think about the distance from actually Judea to Greece, it's not that far. I mean, nowadays like people in life, miles, yeah, people in life rafts like make that. it from from Syria to Greece, which is you know yeah, the same so distance. like Nazareth. Um, mm-hmm. You guys, I've, I'm going to butcher the names of this uh, place. I want to say it was called a Lucius or a Lucian or something like that. Elysian. Um, but it is one of the, the places that this dude, Brian Murescu, uh brings up in his book um, talking about psychedelics. And I need to actually uh, look up the name of his book. That way I can. Now, his book. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a lot of people the, mad. The Immortality this... Key yes. is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So it's called The Immortality Key. Um, he talks about this place called Aleutian uh, or it's something like that. Um, but it was the place basically where, uh, ancient, like Greek people would go and they would drink. Um, and we can get into this a little bit deeper in a, in a later episode. I just kind of wanted to touch on it to give like background, mm-hmm. but ancient, these ancient Greek people would go here. They would take some sort of, uh, drug, basically psychedelic drug. Right. They, it would hallucinate, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, um, this place is only like 40 miles away from what from, – from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. So they're real close together. Yeah, and you know – Anyways, vampires. <laughs> no, no. I mean Sorry. that's completely <laughs> 100% um, supporting evidence, and I love it. Another thing about that is – I don't know if, if you guys are aware of this, but Greece is essentially one huge methane pocket. And there's hot spores of methane pouring out all over Greece. Greece. Um, and a lot of people actually think that the Pythia, um, the, they've tested where the oracle now would stand, and there is active methane shooting from underneath where the Pythia would have prophesized from. So Which they're thinking meth- that she was just like high as a kite all the time. She's yeah. just like doing straight methane. <laughs> and She's basically just huffing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and I that's mean, how she's it- coming up with all this. If that's the case, then the multiple – I mean that could be happening all over the place to multiple people. There. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean anytime Especially anytime you have or... a recurring – you have a recurring location involved. 
like mm -hmm. I mean the Vatican or something like that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, <laughs> like visions mm -hmm. are linked with drug use, right? Like, yeah. So, like the like the. More natural Pardon drug me. use, like mushrooms yeah, like or the, methanes or things well, like or that. Like the, that's the, through all history, too. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. That's not, yeah. Like I mean, like Americans. we talked about the burning bush. Um, I don't mean to really piss somebody off real fast, but um, there's, a, there's a bush in the... Sorry, I'm about to make a lot of people mad. There's a bush in uh, the Middle East. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it looks a lot like what you would think of when you think of the burning bush. It's like a, like a brushy kind of scraggly looking bush that when it burns it actually um releases uh a, a dmt similar compound <laughs> that uh can make you trip so just really tossing quickly. that out there but back to vampires so a lot of where <laughs> i th well i think we know what our next topic is gonna be about what drugs drugs Sorry, sorry, mom. world. But when you think about Greece, you know Greece's physical location in like the Balkans, essentially in your Eastern European area. Um, whenever you start talking about when you get to like a thousand A.D. plus, and you start thinking about vampires, it all comes back to Hungary, Romania, Croatia, Czechoslovakia, Eastern Russia all of these Eastern Bloc countries that are in very close proximity to Greece. And I really think that a lot of the Ambrosio story and, and that origin imprinted a lot on those people, the Greeks, the Macedonians, that eventually became the Hungarians and the Croats and the um, Transylvanians and the Wadians and all of those groups. And I think that that's why you have such a strong history within the Eastern European area of vampires. Um, well, I mean, I, look, at, look at Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler, exactly. Yeah. You know, and he actually used that as a scare tactic, essentially. You know, he knew that that was part of their history, the vampire was. So he used that as a scare tactic, essentially, to... Using his advantage, essentially. But, I mean, people seriously think that Vlad was. I mean, Vlad mm -hmm. the Impaler, Vlad Dracula. I mean, people think that he was actually a vampire himself. So, I mean, it's very... I mean, if we go back to and we talk that... And we say that it started in this area, then there's a possibility that maybe he was a vampire. I mean, he might have been. I mean, in as far as like vampirism goes, I mean, what we're defining vampirism as is now for me, what I'm defining vampirism as. I'm sorry, I don't mean to speak for you guys, but what I'm defining vampirism as is immortality or elongated life, the sucking of blood, and increased strength and. Endurance, right? I think yeah. that's kind of the Bram Stoker, the Dracula vampire. That's what that's what we're all thinking of here. Yeah, but I mean, there's crazier also, shit than that out there. You so have to get into to go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you have <laughs> vampires that 
they also um, can transform into a creature. You you mentioned the Striga earlier, which mm-hmm. that is, I mean, a Striga to me is something that's already transformed and really doesn't turn back into a human, correct? I right. mean, it's already changed and stays that way, but it's also vampiric. Mm-hmm. But, it is. I mean, it's also been depicted, vampires are have always been a, the way I've always viewed them as, and the most people do they're very um sexualized in a way like they're they're very all of them are always attractive and they use their attractiveness to to bring in their victims but then they can also i mean transform themselves into a being as well or it's that's in some of the you know and i i mean count dracula himself is usually depicted as just a man a vampire that sucks people's blood but there have been depictions of him being able to transform into something else right like transform into a bat or transform into some other bat like creature exactly or or a bat and that's how he transports himself from place to place Mm -hmm. and he shows up in the shadows from nowhere um there but they like you said their endurance they're also supposed to be extremely fast some point times to the point that they're quicker than the human eye can actually see. Right. Um, I mean, their strength, they can throw a man across the room with no problem at all. I mean, there's lots of different, you know, things that make them not really human anymore. Right. I mean, besides appearance. So, you guys brought up uh, Dracula, so I'll just cover the real historical um person behind dracula i love this so story Vlad the third uh vlad vlad dracula um was kind of the emperor of wallachia was the name of his actual kingdom which is like modern day romania um his father so he's from the house his his house name was Vlad Dracul, and he got that name from joining the Order of the Dragon, which is an ancient um, medieval Christian uh, club, basically, uh, of uh, different rich people. Um, basically a cult of, of – uh, it was like a religious cult kind of. I like where this is going. But that, that's where uh, Dracul, the name Dr- Dracula actually comes from, is uh, his father adopted the name Dracul, Vlad Dracul, which in medieval Romanian means Vlad the Dragon, um, because of joining the Order of the Dragon. But anyways, uh, so Vlad eventually became um, Vlad the Third specifically. Later on, became known as Vlad the Impaler, uh, and he got that reputation, that nickname from what he would do to his victims. He would capture prisoners and, and stuff like that, and would put—I forget how tall the spikes were—but it's it's known that he would put spikes out in like his courtyard of his castle, and he would sit people on these spikes and watch the the weight of themselves would slowly like 
gravity would pull them over down onto the spike, mm -hmm. and it would through, through their bum, right? Like um, yeah, through, yeah, through and up through the rectum, and up through the mouth eventually. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. That would be yeah, a sometimes splitting them in half as it goes, even depending. Which if if you like if, if sorry, if you go into like entertainment purposes. And you and if you watch Castlevania on Netflix, mm -hmm. they based Dracula in that series off of Vlad the Impaler because he does the same exact thing to people. He impales them, and then he ends up finding uh, immortality. And but I mean, it's, Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula is this, is supposedly the same person. And I mean, it's it's he's usually in fiction depicted to be the same person as well, which is kind of cool that yeah. there was. Really and he a was person. known to be pretty uh, sick. Like, I mean, um, impaling people is pretty sick to begin with, but he's known to like sit down and have his dinner brought out to him so he could eat and, and watch them being paled. Um, so it wasn't just the fact that he did it. It's. But he enjoyed it. The fact that he enjoyed it. And it was like it was like a sort of entertainment for him. Yeah. But. You know, and a lot of the things you have to think about when you think about um the Dracula Vlad the Impaler backstories, you have to think about the time that this was occurring and the background when this was occurring. You know, like I like to reference the historical uh, depiction a lot about this, and one of the, one thing that I really like about like to quote whenever I talk about the Dracula story is the Dracula Untold movie um, from 2014. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, uh, I don't think so. I'm gonna look it, it Dracula Untold came out 2014. Um, it goes a lot more into kind of depict the backstory around. It has Luke Evans in it. Um, it goes around. Oh, I remember seeing it. Yeah, yeah it depicts a little it, more of the backstory around what was happening at the time. Um, you know, whenever Vlad the Impaler was coming to rule as prince of of his empire, the Turks um, were really pressing hard on their area. And they had to do everything they could to keep them out because the Turks would then come in and, and demand what's called a genissary. So the genissary was whenever the Turks would demand that they send all of their firstborn children to come and fight for them, like in the Turkish army or the Ottoman army at this point in time. It wasn't Turkish then, but... Um, so... I don't want to defend Vlad the Impaler. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that being named Vlad the Impaler keeps seems like a pretty good way to keep the Ottomans out of my backyard. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm saying? It, yeah, it'd be horrifying. It keep, seems like Especially a pretty good deterrent. Especially if he has that reputation, and like, right. I mean, that would of course strike fear into anybody. Or, I mean, I would think. And you know, and and that's just kind of like if it if it comes down to it, if you know the Turks are about to destroy my whole empire, why don't I just like be extra gruesome and scare the living shit out of them so they don't come back? Yeah, yeah. Kind and of my have, thoughts on it. Have hundreds of people on spikes around my castle that way bring mm -hmm. it on but more than likely that's going to be you you're going to be on a spike I mean, 
Exactly. And I'm a vampire. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe here. he really maybe it was just simply maybe vampirism throughout history isn't necessarily real, but it's a scare tactic that has been used for years. And I mean, I'd use it. Yeah. I mean, I mean who wouldn't? I mean, especially whenever back then they did not have science to back up any mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, theory that somebody like anybody could say, hey, I'm a vampire. Stay back. I'll kill you. Right. And, and and I'm sure I'm sure people did really sick things and people probably bit into people's necks. And I mean, you know, who, who I'm about in the CJ's neck all the time. That's true. <laughs> so what if what if instead of <laughs> do we need to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, keep going. You're fine. <laughs> cut that right. Let's cut that. Um, so, uh, so maybe instead of it being a scare tactic, what if it was a way for them to explain cannibalism? Ooh, yeah, okay. Because one thing I think of too with cannibalism right so you would see vampirism being you know they're they're sucking blood they're why they're they're going to be paler right they're not going to be as they're not going to look healthy right because if they're if they're eating people realistically they're probably not getting all the nutrients they need right there's a lot of mercury in their system it's not good for you at all yeah no it's actually it's not so then if you go and look at like like a like a native american folklore like the the wendigo Mm mm-hmm that's that could be something. All right, so when they eat, like with cannibalism, with that they they eat another human and they turn into a wendigo, which is essentially a vampiric like entity. So I don't know if I don't know. That's just my theory. I think I'm not. I can't. I don't know a whole lot about any you of know, it. But that's 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 good. Yeah. I just think that would be. The Wendigo right now. Instead I mean, I of a what it is, but yeah, well, it's instead of a instead of a scare tactic. Maybe if it's you know, because again, we're all they're always trying to describe seeing and try to figure out what they're seeing. So maybe if they see like cannibalistic people doing things, they're like, oh, they put this name with that thing because. They have to explain it. Like they, they can't just let it be. Like they have to explain what it is. Yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's definitely yeah. so. The one of the weird thing is is that um, there's the, those creatures that you're kind of describing, like a Wendigo, Chupacabra is one of them, for example. Um, I'm sure everybody's kind of heard of that. Chupacabra, though, to me is a. a an animal, um, like a, yeah. a dog, and animal. even a, a rugaru. I don't know if you guys have ever heard rugaru before. Rugaruga, a chupa chupacabra, like the the translation from chupacabra is actually goat sucker. So that's what it goat does. Goat sucker. Like I used to scare my sister the blood to death. Out of goats and stuff like that. Because we would watch Monster Hunter back in the day, and they had one on the chupacabra. And I would always go up to her and I'd go, Goat Saka! And it scared her to death. I did it forever, <laughs> I, uh, for years, and it scared her to death. Because the Chupacabra is freaky. I mean, and and they don't necessarily attack humans, but they do the same thing to animals. Like, they literally drain their blood completely out of them. And 
I mean, it's vampiric. Yeah, I, I, I can see the... So, Tristan, I want you to go back into the Wendigo in a second. Let me... And let me... Ruguru is... Okay. No, you're good. Keep going. Keep going. Go Explain. Explain. Oh. Uh, Ruguru is kind of the same thing. It's like a... It's more... It's kind of more described as like a werewolf. But it's like a... Uh... It's like a French um, tale, sort of like folklore kind of thing. Folk tale, I guess, would be the correct term for it. Right. Is uh, but when it's you a when you French creature that like sucked blood and stuff like that. When you talk vampires, werewolves are always going to be brought up because to me they kind of go hand in hand. Right. I mean, they're they're both from. Uh, Eastern cultures. I mean, in my opinion, I I, I feel like they always have been Eastern and, European. Yeah. Uh huh. And I mean, they both have very similar um, attributes in terms of. I mean, one turns into a physically turns into a wolf-like creature. Vampires, on the other hand, can turn into bats or mm-hmm. something in along that line. They both are affected by silver, um, which, you know, whether or not that's true or not, who knows. They both bite. Their bites turn their victims into the them as long as they do not devour or kill them. Um, so, I mean, it's it's very possible that it's... I mean, they, they come out at full moon. Vampires can only come out at nighttime. Vampire or werewolves cannot function during the day. They I mean, they physically cannot become a werewolf during the day. Vampires cannot function during the day. So I mean, there's a lot of similarities between them, in my opinion, that make them go hand in hand. And throughout history and entertainment, they always I mean, they go hand in hand. I mean, all the time. And in fact, and in fact, if if it's of uh, in in a lot of entertainment which a werewolf bite or venom can actually is what can kill can also kill a uh, vampire so actually now that you're speaking about uh, werewolves I actually see more of a similarity between the wendigo than the like a wendigo and a werewolf than a vampire and a werewolf or a vampire and wendigo but because, because when you think right, about the, the history of it all, though, and you know we've talked about this numerous times throughout our podcast, where disconnected societies come up with the same ideas, right? Yep. So your Native American societies are still coming up with very similar stories that your European societies are coming coming up with that historically we've been told had no connection. A lot like when we discuss Bigfoot, it's the same the same thing. Different cultures have their own version of the same thing, and right. there may be a little twist to the story, but very very similar in terms of of uh, the stories. The overarching story itself, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So that I mean, basically, is just vampires stating are usually that... kind of split into two different groups. Kind of like zombies are. Like zombies are like you got the slow head or what 
whatever, like from The Walking Dead. And then you've got zombies that are like World War Z type zombies or whatever <laughs> that are fast. To me, though, and, to me, though uh, World War Z kind of the zombies same thing. You got... are more vampiric than they are zombie. Um, also, I Am Legend. Those mm-hmm. are vampires. I mean, if if you get down to it, but they're also very somewhat zombie-like. And in fact, World War Z and uh, I Am Legend remind me of each other in terms of of their depiction of each, you know, the way they move, the way they bite, the way they react when they turn, that kind of thing. So I mean, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, though. Like, there's, there's, a lot of times there's multiple versions of the same. Yeah, thing. you have the different, you have the different vampires. Like, there's the vampires, like you said, that are like good looking and stuff like that, and that are like sexualized or something. They're um, sexy vampires, and they use like seduction as kind of a, uh, they use seduction as kind of a way to lure in victims and stuff like that. And then you have vampires that are more like a creature type thing that hunt in the night and, you know, they're disfigured or something like that. And uh, they're more like a creature, I guess. Well, have you all ever heard of Nosferatu? It's a a silent film from the early 1900s. I don't remember exactly. Um, Here, let me look. Uh, 1922. It came out in yes, and I mean, in that, it still scares the absolute crap out of me. He is terrifying in that whenever he is, um, in his vampire form, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's it. He has very long fingers. I'm trying to find a picture of him, because uh, it's been a while. But he's got super long claw-like fingers. Um, he's got very giant bulging white eyes um (laughs) he's got uh he's bald and i mean he's not attractive in terms of uh his looks but um well that's a matter of opinion but yeah sure (laughs) you don't speak for me tyler (laughs) well if you but i i mean he is it's it's he is depicted as scary and Nosferatu is loosely is kind of I believe that it is based off uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula um, in terms of the story and and um, I don't know if the character himself is Dracula based. He's Count Orlock, which um, wasn't Nosferatu a real person? Well. I'm trying. I'm trying to look here. Nosferatu. Like, isn't there? The, the, well, I don't know if it's Nosferatu or not. I may be getting my names kind of mixed up. But there was a, a Russian prince that is known to like be assassinated. He was assassinated multiple times, and he wouldn't die. Well, now I'm interested. What is that well, dude's I, name? I, I think Nosferatu actually means vampire. That's what I'm trying to. Uh, has it Nosferatu has been presented as possibly an it archaic might. Romanian word synonymous with vampire. So Nosferatu is is a is a basically vampire in Roman in Roman or Romanian. Uh, but 
I mean, Rasputin. The, the, that's who I'm thinking. Yeah, of. Rasputin. Yep. Rasputin. Okay. But Nosferatu, the film, takes place in Transylvania, yeah. which has, of course, become famous in in vampire lore as you know where Dracula lived, or in the actual, you know, his his palace was in that area, which. Transylvania is a real place, ain't it? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's it it's is. a it's a subdivision of Romania. Mm-hmm. I actually considered okay. moving there at one point in my life. To Transylvania? Yep, I did. Really? You're gonna get that really sexy accent that Kate Beckinsale gets in in uh. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, I did consider <laughs> moving there though. Like I, there was there was right after I got in the military, I thought about I thought about doing it. What's in Transylvania that would bring you there? A Harley Davidson dealership that was needed an American to sell motorcycles. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So not the vampires. Not the vampires. You weren't, going, you weren't going to hunt vampires. No, going for the motorcycles. Well, have you guys another depiction of vampires that is actually way different? Have you all watched the show um, The Strain? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. So that's another depiction of vampires, way different than what we're used to. Uh and I think that the strain actually more feeds toward towards the Eastern Bloc European country um, vampires, like your Ukrainian, Croatian, Czechoslovakian strigas, more than your mainstream Bram Stoker vampires. Yes, and I'm trying to because in fact, in in that show there was some deep lore that actually went back and you actually saw flashbacks to um, the original. Uh, vampire that that changed or transformed everybody, but it was it was the blood that had uh, it was almost like a uh, parasite in it. Right. That yeah. it. I mean, as soon as it they they have these, I don't know what to call it, appendages come out that come out of their mouths that latch on and then they they don't suck your blood. Or maybe they do. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've watched it. But um, anyway, it's just a different depiction that, to me, it was way creepier than your normal everyday vampire. Yes, almost, I agree it was. They're, they're almost zombie-like in a way, yeah. too. Um, but anyway, there's lots of cool – you know, you said Celine earlier, and that really I, – I mean, Underworld. Yeah. Um, that – the main character in that, Kate Beckinsale, plays Celine, and she is a vampire. And, um, I mean, in that, vampires have gone back for centuries, and you have your reigning members, which are the, the I think there was three of them that was like the, the leaders. Kind of, of the council. All. Exactly. And, but they were the three that you don't want to F with. And if you did, you know, but... Underworld wrote a really cool lore. I know a lot. A lot they've kind of stretched the films out and kind of made them ignorant here lately. But the first two movies, and then the third movie that kind of goes back and explains how the werewolves were kind of slaves. They, that was they, my they, favorite one, actually. I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was. What was well that one called? Uh, Underworld. Uh, hold on, man. It's Is it Revolution? Awesome. No, that's the second movie. Uh, Underworld. Rise of the Lycans, I believe. Is yeah, Rise of the Lycans. That is it. Yep. That was a good one. But, I mean, th- there we go, hand-in-hand, hand, vampires, werewolves. Um, 
you know. And I know that we're talking about film, but really we don't have a whole lot to go off of whenever we talk. I mean, there is historical accounts, but I mean, is there has there ever been let's let's back up here. Has there ever been an actual sighting of a of a vampire or people that are vampiric? So and I, well, so with the sightings on that, though, it could be skewed pretty badly, right? I mean, if you've seen anyone, like, pale-skinned, yeah, like, sunken eyes, uh, you know, if they bit into the neck of somebody, they, they don't have to be sucking the blood. Like, if they just bite into your neck. Well, we... They we did some flocka or some basalt, <laughs> and then they just... We've discussed the adrenochrome stuff. I mean... That's could they be harvesting adrenochrome being the life force that they are harvesting from that is the ambrisia that they are harvesting. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, it, it could it could very much be the same thing, because if we're saying that this adrenochrome is giving people immortality, then I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. Could be the same. Could be. So Joe Biden's same. a vampire. I kind of want to back up a He's little bit. He's old enough to be one. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to back up a little bit. Donald Trump is too, don't worry. You guys have kind of um, touched around the topic of uh, all these vampire-esque type people mm-hmm. being from like the same area. Right. Um, one of my favorite uh, – one of my favorite uh, – Vampire type, like um, what? What's the word? accusations? Is right. Elizabeth Bathory? I don't know if you guys know who that is or not. No, I don't. But Elizabeth Bathory to. was a countess in um, Hungary. Hungary, Hungary. Sorry, um, she was a Hungarian countess in the 1500s, late 1500s who is known as the most prolific um, female serial killer ever. Uh, she is known to have... She is suspected, sorry. I'm not going to say known because uh, her, her victim count is unknown. But she's suspected to, kill, to have killed over 650 different women. Oh, dang. Is this the one that would um, bathe in their blood? And... Yeah, that's okay. her. That's her vampire accusation, is that um, now that accusation, as I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I say accusation plenty. That way, people understand that this is an accusation that um, someone wrote about her after she had already been dead and everything like that for like a hundred years or something. Um, Someone wrote about her, like a, a story about her or something like that. And that's where the first claim was that she bathed in the blood of virgins to keep herself young and beautiful. Same. So <laughs> no one really knows if it's <laughs> – no one really knows if it's true or not that she did do that. But um, well, I'm, it is I'm reading for a fact that she, that she did – she murdered hundreds of people. 
Um, well, I'm, and she was a countess, you, so that's kind of how she got away with it for so done? long. Like, like the stuff that she did to them. Like, uh, the atrocities. Yeah, she like tortured people and most in, consisted or most consistently included severe beatings, burning or mutilation of hands, biting the flesh off the faces, arms and other body parts, freezing or starving to death. Using needles um, to torture the people. And she was also uh, suspected of cannibalism. So I mean, at that point, it's kind of the next logical step. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but now, are, is this... So the bathing in blood yeah, makes me think of like the... twisted person. Like the queen of the damned. Like mm-hmm. bathing in blood, which is a, a female vampire. Um... But I mean, I don't know. Well, that's yeah. It in blood depicted a lot in like pop culture where they like. Ah, there's one show and I can't for the life of me think of it. It's probably like American Horror Story. Realistically, that's what I'm getting. I that's what's hitting me hard. Is they like apply blood to their skin, like they use it as like a face mask essentially, and it keeps them young and beautiful, and just everything like that. That was that was Twilight, man. Get it right. Just wow. just to clarify um, where I'm getting my virgin blood from, CJ is donating all of that to me. <laughs> oh. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not killing up. anybody for this. <laughs> CJ is donating when all you, of that. When you actually describe uh, virgin blood, they don't mean like a sexual virgin. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't, no, realistically, I don't know if anyone ever, like if anyone's ever looked into this. It's a it's someone that has never been used in a ritual before. Would be considered like a a, a virgin, and they would use their blood. Oh, that ain't Just, what yeah. I always. Thought. You gotta yeah. see. Yeah, I guess you got a good point there. I guess virgin doesn't necessarily have to mean. Oh, a virgin can a, be of anything. Like I mean, in a sexual you know? tense, it can be yeah. like yeah. Like it's just like they're not using the same pile of blood over and over and over and over and over Haven't again. Used some, the person hasn't ever been used in a ritual before, <laughs> so they use their blood. But a lot of people do. I mean, yeah. when you think of a so virgin, they're, they're not you think tainted, of basically. Yeah, I think of CJ. I mean, that but, would yeah. technically <laughs> be like the purest of the pure. If someone's never had sex before, then they're probably never been used in a ritual. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> usually the first yeah. step, you know, they're, they're to get to the ritual pure. thing, to get to the point <laughs> where you're doing like rituals and stuff like that. Usually, you gotta do some freaky stuff beforehand. So. <laughs> All right, back to vampires. So, Whoa. did you know that there was a? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a plug here. Okay, plug Jack it. the Ripper, hey, vampire. So. A lot of people in London in the late 1800s thought that Jack the Ripper was a vampire who was leaving his victims out um, because Jack the Ripper... I don't think you know what plug means. Yep, I know what plug means. I'm plugging for Jack the Ripper, okay? <laughs> little plug here for Jack the Ripper. Okay. okay. Well, adverti- <laughs> advertising. He called me last night and said, hey, I want to advertise. We're plugging for Jack the Ripper, Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> huh. okay. so a lot of the newspaper headlines Sorry, actually at the time. That's all right. I forgive you. A lot of newspaper headlines at the time were Jack the Ripper, vampire, um, because they thought that the way that Jack the Ripper was mutilating his victims, I mean, there wasn't any blood left by the time he was done. Um, 
was vampiric in nature. And I think that um, I I think that a lot of your didn't he like take bites out of the victims' organs? Yes, he did. Have you seen the pictures? Ain't there oh, pictures? yeah, there's pictures. I think there we're, was one of his awful. victims or something like that. He took a bite out of like her liver. Yes, or he something. did. It is it is horrifying. Yeah, and I mean, it was only women though that he killed, right? Yes, he never killed a women. man. No, only okay. women. I, I didn't well, <sighs> there's never been a man associated with him. Now, I don't like whenever people say, hey, this is an unfound serial killer that has not confessed. This is who, who, who he killed. Because he might have killed 50 other people that we don't know about. But he just used a different tactic of killing them, you know? Yeah. But what about, like, even your modern serial killers? What about, like, Dahmer? Wow. That's my first time ever... Seeing a, seeing a picture of it. Yeah. You've never seen the pictures, man. It's horrifying. Like, I didn't realize he messed her face up like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh. I mean, I mean, it's so very disturbing. You're seeing how that could be vampiric or lycanthrope related. Um, I think. I mean, that is, I mean, we're not going to share this picture on our Facebook page. We're not going to do that. But if you're interested in the picture that we're looking at right now, um, what you need to search for is you need to search for Jack the Ripper vampire, or Jack the Ripper um, victim picture. And it'll actually show you her laying on a bed, one of his victims. And I mean, he destroyed her. Mary Jane Kelly was her name. Yes. Yeah. That is yeah. disturbing. Yeah. So if you just type in body of Mary Jane Kelly, then you'll see it. Well, there's one he of, wrote plenty. Um, he wrote letters, too. To, mm-hmm. to his, I'm getting uh, freaked out. I had to turn my uh, light on. <laughs> to the police. <laughs> Don't worry. I literally do every single one of these episodes from inside an armory. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Yeah, no, he was like the the uh, the industrialist zodiac, if if you could say so. Um, he would write this, letters to the eighteen eighties, I believe. Eighteen eighties. Okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because like there's there's a, a Catherine. Yeah. Uh, eighteen eighty eight was when Mary Jane Kelly was killed. Yeah. Yep. Man. Yeah, he, he like totally ripped her face off. Yeah, it's so yeah, you I... can see why at the time. Ooh. They were saying this was vampiric in nature. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, or cannibalistic. I How else do you explain it? Because I mean, you you can't, especially back then. I'm sure it was hard to picture a human doing that to another human. Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially a woman. You know, because back then, and even more so than now, it was like, oh. You did that to a woman, a poor, defenseless woman, you know? But right. let me – let's back up here for a second. We, yeah, we were discussing so. zombies earlier, um, which consume the flesh of humans as well. But in in actual in, – in reality, I mean there are drugs we know that can make people want to eat and attack people yes, and fight them are. and rip their face off and not think nothing of it. And, you know, we, we were discussing how drugs could have – 
been what, um, I mean, sparked all of the hallucinations and the, you know, the prophecies and all that. But I mean, what if, what if people were taking drugs and that's what made them immortal? Because I mean, I know people that's on ba- that are on bath salts can be shot multiple times and mm-hmm. keep coming at you. And yeah. if someone was coming at me and I kept shooting them and they kept attacking me, I would consider them. I would, I mean, I would, you know, even that far back, I would consider them quote unquote immortal because they're not going down. They're not dying. Right. So, and especially pre firearm. So if you think pre firearm, you know, yeah. and if you're stabbing someone with an ax and they're not going down, you're like, okay, this is definitely a vampire. This is definitely exactly. something immortal. And the only yeah. way to kill them is to dismember them completely. Yeah. And I mean, if, if, you get down to it. Uh, another way to kill a vampire is to dismember them, put them into a coffin, nail the coffin shut, and then they are, you know, done for. Then, right. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily uh, explain them being able to come back from the dead, but I mean, if if none of them ever were actually, it may have just been okay. We got to keep these coffins closed, or they will come back because they are quote unquote immortal. But right. nobody ever actually opened what a coffin up again. You know what I'm saying? But that's how the whole lore of the immortality started. But, I mean, it just kind of makes you wonder if it wasn't people doing some sort of a drug that, I mean, was causing them to to be able to do that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, and, you know, a lot of these podcasts that we talk about, we come back to – some kind of psychedelic being the root cause for a lot of these issues. Um, Tristan, I'm sure if you listen to um, to the Joe Rogan podcast that you were referencing earlier, do, do you have the the story about the Czechoslovakian um, or the Czech Republic medical examiners on standby where they were examining the bodies of a quote-unquote vampire? That they talked about in that same podcast episode. Did they? I didn't. So, in the in the seventeen hundreds and the eighteen hundreds, vampiric claims got so prevalent in the Czechoslovakian, Serbian, and Croatian areas that the government actually designated medical examiners that were called vampire examiners or whatever it was that was in native tongue. Um, and they would actually go to any claims of a vampire. And a lot of times what would happen is, you know, and there's even uh, a big reference about this in new England, um, in the pre revolution times, um, where there was actually medical examiners that did this exact thing too. They would go and the villagers would dig up the bodies of recently buried people. And if they hadn't decomposed properly, they would call them vampires and they would drive a stake through their heart. Um, Things like nails growing, things that we know nowadays that happen um, scientifically, like your nails keep growing when you die, right? Um, For a while. Well, that's a similar occurrence. If that was happening, they would bury, they would dig them up and they would put a stake through their heart or cut their head off to keep them from becoming vampires. Um, but there is a story about in New England. Um, I have it wrote down, and I'll, I'll pull it up later because I don't have, I'm not right quite to that yet. If you guys will talk about something else, but I'll pull up a story later about um, a family from the New England area that 
had some vampiric issues in the 1700s. Which, I mean, 1700s, that's that's fairly new compared to when vampires could have actually started. So there's I mean, yeah, because like the Ambrosio story is 400 B.C. Well, like, it, it makes you wonder, though, if it isn't passed down from family to family to family. Right. Like, if it isn't, like, the same, you know, lineages of people throughout time. I mean, I don't know. Because, I mean, if, if vampires were an actual thing and they were all over the place, then we would have a ton of immortal people that couldn't come out in sunlight. You know what I mean? Right. And they couldn't go and have Italian food at any time, <laughs> ever. Well, you know... But when you think about it, it would not be hard to hide in today's world from things like that. No, no. Yeah, you live in a uh, an area that's primarily like cloudy, Alaska, even right? Ain't there? Ain't there? Uh, there's Barrow, Alaska. Yep. Thirty days. Well, yeah. Well, night. Yeah, yeah, something like Barrow. that. But. No, you do that. You wear hoodies all the time, long sleeve clothes, whatever. I guess even depending on what it is that quote unquote kills a vampire, like if it's just the UV light or whatever that comes from the sun, you put sunblock on and technically you'd be able to walk around in the sun. I don't know about sunblock. So you <laughs> you mentioned a New England type thing earlier, and I was going to bring up the New England vampire panic in the 19th century. Yeah, go for it. So uh, the early 1800s, uh, there was a, tuber- a tuberculosis outbreak Ugh. in New England, and they didn't really understand how tuberculosis was like traveling through all these people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they thought that it that it spread through people consuming the um, life of their surviving relatives. So in the early 19th century in New England, there was thought to be a vampire outbreak because of tuberculosis. Like there was a tuberculosis outbreak and they thought it was vampirism that was uh, causing it basically. Um, and there's actually like flyers and stuff like that that were printed. Like I'm looking at one here, and it says "Believe in Vampires" at the across the top of it. And it said, "Rhode Islanders who are sure that they do do exist." Instances hmm. told of where the living have been attacked and preyed upon by these representatives of an unseen world. Interesting. And it's a cartoon that was printed in the Boston Daily Globe. Um, that was basically making fun of these people in Rhode Island that thought that tuberculosis was being caused by vampires or that tuberculosis was vampires, I guess. Which I mean, when did TB really hit the scene? Like that would have been about it right there. About the time. Okay. Cause I mean, I mean, isn't TB where you like, you cough blood up and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's, it's very, but at the same time, you have to think about Arthur. Yeah, Arthur. You have to think about the, the time that these people were living in. I mean, everything seems so plain to us nowadays and so scientific to us nowadays. But if you put yourself, you know, say that you take us 30 years from now, right now you turn off all the power, all the internet, all the social media, everything. 30 years from now, 
I'm going to be chanting under a tree because that's what I'm going to think is the right thing to do. You know, like it's just <laughs> we're you're so, they were so disconnected from reality and they weren't able to talk to the people around them. And they that, couldn't wiki. They couldn't wiki what tuberculosis was. Exactly. They didn't have a clue. Yeah. So vampire seems like a perfectly logical explanation to me. It does, and that's what I mean. That's what I think throughout history. A lot of a lot of stuff like uh, vampirism, or you know, we we were talking about werewolves. We had, and we've discussed this back during the Bigfoot podcast as well. You you had people that were covered in hair from head to toe that would have looked like a wolf man, you know. But back then, they would not have had any kind of an explanation. So, I mean. I don't know. Like, there could always be uh, a scientific reasoning behind a lot of the mythologies and the lores that we are um, that we know today as you know bedtime stories to scare kids. You know what I mean? It's all mushrooms, man. Yeah, but very easily could be. I mean, I mean, look at Indians. They they hallucinate and they I mean, they see things that kind of, uh, you know, would not be explained. And you know what I'm you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just any any kind of hallucinogen. I mean, just listen to Rogan talking about talking about DMT trips. That alone right there. Makes you wonder, like everybody's seeing the same thing. So, I mean, it's got to have some sort of a, a meaning or a... Right. There's something there. Yeah, there is. And, I mean, if, if people were doing this back then, they were seeing things that would, yes, lead them to think that there was... Yeah, without the modern scientific world around you, things would seem a lot more magical than they do nowadays. Exactly. They would seem very fantasy-like, which yeah. whenever you think vampire settings and werewolf settings, you think back – I mean most of the time they're set not in modern day. I mean there yeah. are times that they are, but not, not – The 1700s as usually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of vampire stuff, like even in the uh... – even in a lot of like vampire shows and movies and stuff like that that you see nowadays, it's like if they talk about like the origin story of it or something like that, usually that's what they go back to. It's like, oh, I was like if a character gets asked like when they became a vampire or whatever, it's always mm-hmm. like a Victorian era or like mm-hmm. Industrial yep. Revolution type era. Yep. Always. So, I mean, we know that Vlad the Impaler and all that's way before that but i mean i just feel like the vampire that we know like the the mainstream vampire is set around uh 17th century time period that that type of you know but anyway i don't know you know and speaking of that i'd like to really throw back a couple thousand years real quick um toss a real real wrench out there for us um, sorry. Um, I want to talk about Baalbahan Sith. Okay, now this is actually where uh, Lucas got the word for Sith from. Um, Baalbahan 
Sith was a Scottish vampire. Um, and this predates the Romans in history. Okay. Um, predating even written history, honestly. This goes back into, um, we've talked a little bit in, in previous episodes about Celtic mythology um, and how I'm very deeply interested in Celtic mythology and the Celtic pantheons. So, uh, Bahabon Sith is also sometimes referred to as the White Woman of the Highlands. Um, and this was a fairy-like creature that would suck the blood of anyone traveling across the northern paths until they were dead. Um, and she was actually... She was a succubus, yes. Um, so, Bahabon Sith was a, was a Scottish succubus that predates... Your even Roman historic input into Celtic mythology. So, somehow, before the Romans brought their stories of Ambrosio to the British Isles, the Celts already had stories of a blood sucking vampire called Baobon Sith. Um, as well as even when you go back into the Babylonians had stories, not necessarily stories, but depictions of things sucking blood and, and whatnot. I'm reading here, uh, so Babon Sith, basically, I mean, it's, it's not just one person, it's a, it's a group. I mean, Yes, like, it's a group, yeah. That was the name but for like, the fairies. Essentially, you could, the the only way you could kill or harm one is with iron. Um, they disliked horses because of their iron shoes. A clear warning to hunters leaving their wives at home: it's best to stay on their horse. The Bayabon Sith can be trapped in their buried coffin by building a stone cairn over their grave. This was thought to stop them from rising. So, a vampire, literally a vampire. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's no different than putting them in a coffin, nailing it shut, and using a crucifix or a cross to prevent them from rising from the grave. So I think a lot where you get your Bram Stoker modern vampires is you have a correlation of you have your Eastern European vampires, you have your Pahalbon Sith vampire, you have your Babylonian vampires, and you have your Greek vampires. You toss all those together... And you get Bram Stoker's modern vampire. Who was based off Vlad Dracula, who was exactly. a horrible, horrifying person. And, yeah, which, and also a real figure in history. So, I mean, yeah, that's how you get a, a really wicked tale. So, essentially, what we're coming down to is this is multiple different culturals, uh, cultural small stories that have been combined into one larger story. Basically what religion is to begin with. Roger that. So I believe we're kind of uh, hitting our time uh, for this week. So thank you everybody for following us down the rabbit hole. Uh, Thank you boys for joining me again. Yes, we are very glad you're back. Should Uh, be. Should be from Our very own... Our very own vampire is here with us. <laughs> uh, or the COVID vampire. 
The COVID vampire. There we I've go. I've been called the COVID kid, the COVID king, lots of different things the last few weeks. So. <laughs> I don't but, recommend getting right. it though. Um, I guess we'll see everybody next week, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, great episode, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, sorry, I got a little drunk this week. All right, <laughs> have a great night. <laughs>